Ramble. Bada bing, bada boo. Realtors, they're going to go on and on about the area. They're going to tell you about the school district, if there's nearby parks that you can walk to. They're going to tell you all of this, but they're not going to tell you about the Karen situation. And in this little suburban town, just off the side from Hong Kong, the neighbors, they, they prided themselves in being Karens. Their neighborhood was right next to this very popular hiking trail, and people would just park their cars illegally throughout the neighborhood. And these residents, they're like, no, this is not acceptable. So for a very specific reason, these neighbors were extra alert when it came to outsiders. They were extra vigilant. They would gather for their daily neighborhood speed walks. They would gossip. They would tilt their head towards an empty house. That one over there, it finally got rented. I think they're moving in. Oh yeah, I saw the guy. He's uh, he's something. He parks his van in front and he just goes inside for hours, but then he leaves at night, so I guess he didn't move in. I thought maybe he was renovating the place, but I never see him moving anything in. I don't see him moving anything out. No equipment, no furniture. Oh my God, you noticed that? I too. One time, I tried to peek in and the entire place is still empty. Like no mattress, no sofa, no dining table, nothing. There's no renovations being done. I just thought it was weird. You know what's even weirder though? These ladies, they tried saying hi to the guy that just moved in. They would walk past and they said, I, I waved to him. Yeah, I was, I was with my family and I waved. And it's so obvious he's avoiding me. It's like he won't even make eye contact with me. He just has this expression on his face that feels cold. There's like nothing behind his eyes. He just keeps smoking his cigarettes. The neighbors shared nervous glances with each other. And as the days went on, the new neighbor started to act even stranger. They started covering all of their windows with these black cloths. As if they didn't want anybody to look inside. They cover the front door with a black cloth. So if they were to open the front door and walk out, you wouldn't even be able to glimpse in because there's like this curtain hanging. So there's a open the door. You just see a black curtain. Exactly. It's like they're hiding something. I mean, that's not even convenient. I'm sure each neighbor had their own little conspiracy. Well, maybe he's running a brothel. Maybe it's his first mistress. Maybe he's like hiding a secret family here. Well, I heard illegal gambling rings are pretty big these days. It could be that. I don't think that any of them would have guessed that in just two short weeks, the police would swarm the house, finding the dismembered remains of a young mother, daughter, wealthy socialite, murdered, dismembered, and cooked into soup from inside that very home. Welcome to this week's mini-sode of Rotten Mango. As you guys know, we're doing mini-sode visuals now, so if you guys are watching the video on YouTube or Spotify, hello. I actually had a completely different video on a separate case for today's upload, but I was reading the comments, I was reading emails, DMs, and I was getting so many requests to cover the dismemberment case of Abby Choi. I looked online, I didn't see many people covering it in like one compiled video. Maybe it's because it's so new. There's constant new developments. I, I've tried to gather all the credible information that I could find. This case is interesting because now I think like a lot of ongoing cases, it's starting to head into like this weird conspiracy theory territory. So I try to gather all the credible information that's been released, combine it in this one video. But like I said, there's going to be so many more new developments. And if need be, we can always do an update. This is just what we know so far. And if you guys are watching the video, I have a white patch on my hand. It is, um, it's, it's like a eucalyptus patch for my allergies. So you don't hear me heavy breathing into the mic. 
So with that being said, show notes are listed at RottenMinglePodcast.com and let's get into it. I know it might not seem like it if you've been following this case, but it starts with Cal Kwong. I know, you're like, who? I was hearing the names Abby and Alex. Who's Cal? Cal Kwong was finding it very hard to find a job. Every time he found a job, he would mess it up or he would get fired. I mean, nothing seemed to stick. He wished that he could have his old job back. It was hard, but at least it was... It was fun. It was his favorite job that he's ever had in his entire life looking back. Cal Kwong used to be a sheriff for a police department. It gave him like a sense of duty, a sense of fulfillment, an immense sense of power, if I'm being honest. And in 2005, all of that came crumbling down, just disintegrated. A girl walked into the police station to report a crime. She was the victim. Sheriff Kwong tried to comfort her walk through the process of this is what's going to happen next. We're going to look for the perpetrators. We need your statements. This is what we need. He was just a really caring police officer. The girl found herself opening up to him in ways that she didn't think that she would. I mean, she had a completely different vision of what was going to happen. She thought none of the police were going to care. She thought the sheriff was going to be like, get out of here. We don't care about this nonsense. They wouldn't take her seriously. That's what she thought. I mean, can you blame her? But Sheriff Kwong was... He was different. He listened. He was so patient with her. He, he made sure that she was comfortable and that she trusted him. And after such a horrific crime, after being victimized, she starts feeling hope. Like, okay, maybe there are good people out there. So one day she gets a knock on her door, two in the morning. She wasn't that startled to see Sheriff Kwong outside. Police work all hours of the day, okay? They don't just work nine to five. Maybe there was a breakthrough in her case. Maybe there was urgent news he needed to tell her about. She lets him in at two in the morning. And Sheriff Kwong, the man who pledged to protect, his duty was to serve. The one that she had vulnerably trusted and opened up to about what had happened to her, what she had to endure, how she was traumatized. He allegedly raped her. This part of the research, I didn't even... Because just think about the sheriff taking advantage, allegedly, but taking advantage of a victim's trust And then again, to re-victimize them in the safety of their own home after you gain their trust as a police officer in uniform. Was he charged? He wasn't charged. So that's why I have to say allegedly, but a lot of sources can confirm it, but he wasn't charged. He was let go as a sheriff. Now, the thing that it gets confusing is allegedly he was let go because of a variety of different allegations that were on his record. So this might not even be the first alleged this might be the second there might be other crimes that he had gotten involved with allegedly oh my god this is like 10 times worse than a criminal i always think it's worse when the criminals are in a position of authority and you start to trust them yeah and and they're the people that you're supposed to go to and they abuse that power it's terrifying so in 2005 sheriff kwong was not arrested not charged but he was let go from his job as a sheriff now it seems like money is hard to come by No job is paying him as well. No job seems to be worth his time. They were all too much work, not enough power, not enough respect, right? It was getting rough. So Cal, he was pretty happy when his son Alex announced that he was going to be marrying Abby Choi. Now, Mm. most parents would not have been happy because his son Alex is 18 years old and his future bride is also 18 years old. That's pretty young, you know? But Abby Choi was different. She's caring, compassionate, intelligent, but more importantly to Cao Kuang, first, she didn't know that he was a racist. And secondly, her parents were multi, multi 
millionaires. Like this was his ticket to sit at the table of Hong Kong's elite and nothing was going to stop him. You're like, okay, who's Abby? I feel like I'm always trying to find ways to tell you about someone without being like, she was nice, guys. Trust me. She was very nice. So in Abby Choi's case, I can tell you about this cat. You're like, what does this cat have to do with it? This cat originally didn't even have a name. It didn't have a home. It didn't even have a cat bed. It didn't even have a bowl to eat food out of. It was a stray cat that had been trying to cross this busy road and it was hit by a car, just slammed. The cat was laying on the side of the road, couldn't get up. Both the front legs of this cat were broken. The cat couldn't move. The cat couldn't even meow for help. I mean, it just one swerve from another car and that cat would have just been squashed. But somehow the stars aligned and a passerby spotted the cat. They're like, okay, I got to rush this cat to some sort of hospital. They rush it to a local nonprofit organization for stray animals. And now... A lot of nonprofit organizations might not have been able to help this cat. This cat was severely injured. The cost to help her recover when it wasn't even clear that she would survive the surgery, that she would even be able to recover. I mean, nonprofits don't have unlimited funds, and it seems like there's unlimited animals that they need to help. But this nonprofit was funded by Hong Kong wealthy socialite Abby Choi, and she was the type that was like, I don't give up on any cats. So this tiny little black cat was named Chicha, 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 which means car in Mandarin. And after surgery oh, on they both, they named it after the car. Oh my gosh! And it, the cat like looks so full of life. Like this oh. little clip, the cat is kind of sassy looking. And after surgery on both front legs and getting pain meds and being fed, Chicha is on the road to recovery. Literally on the road to recovery. And that is the type of person that Abby Choi was. And I think that's like the best way to describe her because if I were to start with her background, a lot of it is so privileged. Her parents are wealthy. They're really, really rich. And the lifestyle that she lives is definitely comparable to like a Nepo baby, it feels like. But it's hard to hate her. It's hard to find fault in her. She just seems so damn nice and so genuine. So a little bit about her. Abby Choi was born to a wealthy Hong Kong businessman. Her dad was incredibly successful, or is incredibly successful. He took care of his wife and three daughters really, really well. Like, think top socialite family in Hong Kong. Going to charity galas, being invited to front row seats at Dior shows, Chanel shows. I mean, even Abby's Instagram is filled with her attending, like, these big, big fashion shows, being on the cover of these fashion magazines. And as I was scrolling through her Instagram, and she posts frequently, the one interesting word that kept popping up in my head while I was scrolling was, she kind of reminds me of a fairy. Like, I don't know if it's the dresses that she wears or maybe the way that she looks. Maybe it's the way that she carries herself. The more that I look into her and the more that I look at her Instagram, she just looks like a fairy. Like, she seems so elegant and full of grace. People who worked with Abby backed that up. They said, oh yeah, No, she shines so bright. Like, there's, like, a glimmer in this girl. She always left this really good impression on us. We felt lucky to cross paths with her. Despite being a socialite, despite being born with, like, this silver spoon in her mouth, Abby Choi was really kind. There's some videos of her that she posted herself, and she just has this soft, gentle voice. (laughs) 
a live streamer who went to fashion week ran into abby a few times and he said among all the celebrities that i've met abby was the most down to earth anytime she saw him she would smile brightly at him and he would ask her to take pictures and be a part of his live stream and of course abby could easily say no she could easily be like distracted and pay attention to the next person i mean have you seen like the entrance to these fashion week shows insane so hectic but she would give them her undivided attention she would smile for the camera at one point the streamer calls her amy completely just getting her name wrong and she's so graceful she she smiles and interacts with him and just even though he got her name wrong The streamer said, I mean, the fact that she was interacting with us, she was posing for us and letting us take her pictures. We were streaming outside and she even invited us to go in with her. It just made a lot of sense that people who knew Abby, they kind of got why she would marry Alex Kwong. She was 18 years old when she got married for the first time. And Alex Kwong was like her high school sweetheart. They knew each other since they were young, like middle school. And even even though Abby's parents were worried, I mean, I think even Abby's friends were worried, Alex Kwong was not on the same financial level as Abby, nor were his parents. And in Chinese, there's actually a term for it, and it's called xiajia, which means to marry beneath your social class. Abby comes from a super wealthy background. Alex is maybe middle class. Um, his financial status really fluctuated because, well, his parents were always all over the place. Does America not have that saying at all? I don't think so. I guess these are all back in the days. It's getting better nowadays. Yeah. Like, mandanghudui, your status should be similar. I feel like in Western culture, the friends would say similar things, but I think they wouldn't say it as outright. So I think it's just a cultural difference, but I think just universally around the world, there is that sentiment. Abby comes from a really wealthy background. Alex was not. And her friends and family were not the type to be like, I can't believe you're not marrying someone rich. They're more the type to say something along the lines of like, you're so young. Like, give it time. You're only 18. We're not saying don't marry him. It doesn't even matter that he's not rich. But the one thing you might need to learn is that you need to be extra careful since you're in this financial standing and you need to make sure that people like you for you, right? For the right reasons. And Abby was this incredibly smart and intelligent girl, but she did not buy into these social structures. She's like, it doesn't even matter. Why does it matter? Why does it matter who has money and how much money they have? I have more than enough to take care of myself, to take care of my future husband, his family. It doesn't matter whose wallet it's coming from as long as we have food on the table. She's literally the type that if she loves you, she doesn't care about your social class, your education level. Literally, she just loves you for you. Besides, Abby herself had a net worth of over $12 million. That's not including her parents' massive wealth. Like, this is just her. Her real estate portfolio on its own was incredible. So to her, it's just like, yeah, I mean, I don't really need my husband to make money. Like, we're going to be fine. And for about three years, they were fine. They got married, they had two children together, but ultimately in 2015, they decided to divorce. I have no idea the exact reason for the divorce. And it's hard to say because Abby quite literally, and this is wild, even to her closest friends, Abby never spoke ill about her ex-husband. Like, never. I mean, he was the father of her two children. 
She was adamant on maintaining a peaceful relationship with him, his family, everything. She just wasn't going to deprive her kids of happiness and this nice family just because she was getting divorced. And you know, usually when partners split up and you have one partner making a ton of money and another partner not doing so well, most cases I've heard, lawyers get involved. Mm. It becomes a court case. Really nasty allegations are thrown around. Like finances are ripped apart and it's, Oh my gosh, like that's the norm these days. But again, Abby really wasn't that type. She sat down Alex and his parents. During the three years that she was married to Alex Kwong, at her young age of 18 to to what, 21 years old that they were married, Abby had been supporting not only her husband Alex, but his entire family. His two parents, mom and dad, and his brother Anthony. She'd been supporting the whole family financially. And his dad is the police. Cal Kwong. Cao Kuang, wow. The sheriff. She had no idea of his crimes, yeah. The Kuang family had gone from barely being middle class to not working, living a luxurious, privileged-filled life of, like, the Hong Kong elite. Abby sat them down and told them, I'm still going to take care of you guys. We're no longer going to be married, but we're still a family. At the end of the day, like, we have kids together. So don't worry. I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to be stressed about that. That is crazy. Wow. Yeah, and... I thought this was so admirable, but then like I'm thinking during the research, yeah, okay, she's going to support them. She's going to give them maybe like the average salary in Hong Kong, uh, maybe like a small little apartment to move into. I was thinking like that because that would still be so incredible. And that's just on top of what they would be making if they had jobs. Like that's very generous. Yeah, she has no responsibility for any of that. None. But Abby bought them a $10 million condo in the exclusive Kaduri Hill, it's in Manhattan Hill of Hong Kong. So think Beverly Hills, Upper East Side. Bought them a $10 million condo. US dollar? Yes, US dollars. It had what? four bedrooms, three bathrooms. I mean, this property is insane. And for $10 million, it better be. So not only is she just supporting them, she's sustaining the lifestyle that they got accustomed to. And this is like indefinitely. It's not like, hey, I'm just doing this till you guys get back on your feet. And when her ex-brother-in-law, Alex's brother, um, his name is Anthony, when he needed to find a job, she offered to let him be her driver. Yeah, personal driver, and she paid him a lot. We're going to get into that later, but she really trusted this guy. Like, they would have to spend every day together. He would drive her around Hong Kong, pick up her kids, attend fancy events with her. They seemed to have a really good relationship from the outside. He would post these selfies with her talking about how they had brother-sister love. Like, I truly have never heard of a case of someone doing this for an ex and their entire family. That's beyond, 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 beyond generous. Yeah. Generous isn't even... I get it that they have kids together, but still. Yeah, exactly. Now, a lot of people gravitated towards Abby. I mean, clearly, right? Do you know who um, Guo Fu Chen is? Guo Fu Chen, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's only the... (laughs) It's only my dad's idol that's (laughs) only your dad's idol yeah Yeah. (laughs) no big deal no biggie so he's married to this beautiful woman named mocha and she was best friends with abby they would constantly spend holidays together birthdays and mocha was so happy for abby when abby was like i'm getting married again and mocha was like i approve of this guy his name is chris tam so chris is the heir to this massive food conglomerate called tam jai international the family, the Tam family, is estimated to have a net worth of half a billion U.S. dollars. Wow. 
Yeah. Combined with Abby's family and her individual net worth, it's rumored that she was now a billionaire. I don't know, okay, but that's what some sources are just calling her a billionaire. But that's not the reason that people were excited. They weren't like, oh my God, you're gonna be a billionaire. Her friends were excited because Abby and Chris knew each other since they were 10 years old. They had apparently met in international school. They were like best friends back then. And through time, they start drifting apart, you know, and they start going their separate ways. But the fact that they found each other again, that's like a Disney movie. And so people are like, I feel so warm inside. And they're like, you deserve happiness, Abby. So go get it. And the two held this beautiful ceremony. Now, this is very pertinent. They never got officially married. Maybe they were both just at a stage in their lives where a piece of paper means nothing. They never got married on paper. But in every other sense of the word, they were a married couple, which I think is all that matters. So they would go on to have these two beautiful children together. And by all accounts, Abby's life was really good. Chris was the right guy. I mean, his parents accepted Abby's other two kids, the one that she had with ex-husband Alex, right? Mm -hmm. And they just accepted them into the family with open arms, treated them like their own grandchildren. And despite the potentially sticky situation, Chris actually knew Alex since they were younger too. So like Mm -hmm. all of them knew each other since they were kids. And Chris was like, okay, well, Abby, I know that Alex is never going to not be a part of your life because you guys share children together. So I'm not going to stand in that way. In fact, the three of them, the new husband, Chris, ex-husband, Alex, and Abby Choi would have dinners together, would celebrate holidays together with the kids. So yeah, they were all getting along. So they all have a, like a friendly, healthy relationship? Yeah. Now, it's fascinating, though, because humans in general just get used to better and better things. Like, I think that's just in human nature to get accustomed to places and things. Like, how many times have we been like, oh, my God, if I just get this one thing, I'll be so happy and I'll never want anything else. And then you get that thing and you get used to it and you're like, if I just get this next one thing, I'll be so happy. But I would say most of us, okay, we have this little like bell in our heads. It's like, okay, you need to calm down. You like think about last year. You would have been so happy with this. Like, come on now. Don't get jaded. It's like a check and balance system in our heads. Some people don't have that. And it's terrifying to think about that because greed is just a funny little thing. Just 10 years ago, the Kwong family, they were struggling. The dad, Cao Kwong, the sheriff, couldn't even find a job. They didn't even know where their next meal was coming from. And now, no thanks to their own hard work, all the thanks to the generosity of their ex-daughter-in-law, Abby Choi, they are sitting in their $10 million condo, smack dab in the middle of Hong Kong, living in it for free. They're not, it's not even just the condo. Abby is sending them money to spend every month. She was supporting their lifestyle too. It's not just like, here's a condo, I'm done. Alex, the ex-husband, would spend tens of thousands of dollars every night that he went out in like the big cities. He would travel around to the big cities in China and just blow like 40 grand a night, 50 grand a night. They felt like they deserved more. It was like the least they could have. They would shower in their marble-filled bathrooms and they would get angry. Like it's so cramped. They would sit in their plush little couches, staring at their marble fireplace, thinking about how Abby had done them dirty. She could easily afford to give them more, but she's not. They would stand in their beautifully designed closets, staring at like the mahogany trimmed glass doors. And they're like, I bet Abby's closet is bigger. It's, it's 
the craziest thing, and we're going to get into it. I think the crazy part of this is that out of the whole Kwong family, not one single person, not the dad, not the mom, not Alex, the ex-husband, or the brother, Anthony, not a single one of them pumped the brakes and was like, guys, we sound ridiculous. Like, we don't work. We get money deposited into our accounts. We live in a $10 million condo for free. Like, this is silly. We should be excited. We should be happy. Not a single one of the family of four said that. Because that's the thing about jaded people. The only pleasure left for them is to demolish others. Let's talk about the day of the disappearance. February 21st, 2023. So, um, oh my gosh, that's literally a week and a half ago. A week and a half ago. Chris Tam, Abby's new husband, like losing his mind. He knew something was wrong when Abby didn't show up to pick the daughter up from school. Abby's one of those moms, like she doesn't care that she has a bunch of assistants or caretakers at her beck and call. Picking up the kids was an honor for her as a mother. It was not like her to go off the radar and just like leave her kid waiting. She just didn't show up. She wasn't picking up her phone. Her car was nowhere to be found. Nobody had heard from her. And it's, it's like she went radio silent. This had never happened before. Abby's parents... Chris, they all thought maybe someone kidnapped Abby for ransom because, you know, they're going to know that she's wealthy. I mean, criminals are getting crazy these days. There's Instagram, there's social media. Maybe they followed her and they kidnapped her. So they're probably standing by their phones, like anxiously waiting, hoping someone's going to make that call. If, if not, someone would call and demand money and they would gladly pay anything in exchange for Abby being returned home to her husband and kids safe and sound. So they wait. No call comes. The very next day, February 22nd of 2023, a formal police report was published detailing Abby Choi's disappearance. They said that yesterday, February 21st, at around 2.15 p.m., she was last seen wearing a white long sleeve sweater with white pants, white shoes, and carrying a white jacket. The police held a press conference. They released pictures of her from CCTV footage and encouraged anybody with any information to come forward. Now, of course the first people that the police are going to look into, regardless of the financial situation or anything, it's going to be the ex-husband. It's going to be the ex-husband's family. They had no idea if they were barking up the right tree. But when they went to go question the Kwong family, I mean, it was pretty clear that they were barking up the right tree. Sources state that the Kwong family was playing Tai Chi with the police. So I looked into it. Da Tai Chi. Yeah. Yeah, Da Tai Chi. Okay, so I was a little bit confused on this one. Okay, when it comes to these international cases, I'm like trying to make sure nothing gets lost in translation. But essentially, Tai Chi, if you guys don't know, it's Chinese martial arts, but their whole philosophy is that you don't put force on a force. If there's two equal forces pushing on each other, it doesn't do anything. Both people just use up all their energy. It's dumb. Like yeah. You, when you're just punching each other, it's stupid. Yeah, It's, it's like, about like gracefully maneuvering the force. Yeah, it's, it's taking the force, pushing it away mm. and moving the energies around. So someone's trying to punch you and you're more of like this energy master. That's how they were answering questions. Like, where were you yesterday? They're like taking the question, moving it away. And it wasn't even done in a good way. Like, the police are like, you are being incredibly evasive. Like, you're not even, this is so suspicious. The Kwong family truly was not that intelligent. So the police quickly, they pick up on all their little mixed match stories, on all their little lies, and they knew that they were barking up the right tree. They start digging into each member of the Kwong family, and it seemed like every single one of them had motive. 
Which, side note, apparently after this visit from the police, Alex called his ex-in-laws. He called Abby's parents and yelled at them. He was like, I can't believe you didn't inform me that you guys were calling the police. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. okay. Yeah. Make, next time our loved one goes missing, we will go and call everyone to get permission to make sure that we can report them missing. But what's the reason for that, though? He does feel a little hot-headed. You think he's just upset? Yeah. That the police came so quickly. Yes. And I think that he... Oh, maybe. Yes. Like, he was like, this is way quicker than I thought, I imagined. maybe. So he's upset. Okay, that makes more sense. I also think that uh, this is just purely speculation. Maybe he thought that the police wouldn't have been called and all the families would have this back and forth of like, mm-hmm. where do you think she went? Mm-hmm. And he would plant his little seeds. Because that's mm-hmm. typically what people do when people vanish. It's like oh, maybe she ran away and you start trying yeah. to convince people of these things. And she was hoping for more time, right? Yeah, because they needed more time. And he was genuinely upset. Stressed. Wow. Yeah, but the fact wow. that he called is incredible. Yeah. Abby Choi wanted to sell their $10 million condo that they felt like they deserved. It was going to be put up for sale. I did see some sources say that the way that they found out was also maybe disgruntling allegedly allegedly and i don't know if this is true that realtors had come into the condo to show it to potential buyers and i don't know if the kwang family was alerted beforehand i'm not sure but that's just some speculation of maybe why the kwang family was so upset now here's the thing about this condo it said that abby promised to relocate the family but it's kind of up in the air what the reason for this condo sale was it said that abby told the kwang family that this is purely for investment reasons it's just for her real estate portfolio she's making investment decisions but the kwang family it's alleged that they did not believe her they said no the real estate market is down right now so you bought it at like 10.1 million dollars the real estate market is so down you might lose half a million dollars and it's not like you're in this financial position where you're like i need that cash right now i need these funds you don't need to sell this house so why are you selling this house right now so that led a lot of speculations online to believe that abby was finally trying to set some boundaries i think for so long this family like they were vultures like they just leached off of her and not just financially but i'm sure emotionally mentally just so much and maybe she was finally getting the courage to be like okay you know what you're right i'm gonna set these boundaries and maybe the sale of this condo was that i personally don't think that abby would have left them out on the street and been like i'm done with you i'm cutting you off cold turkey i don't think so but The Kwong family, it didn't matter because they wanted their $10 million condo. So uh, this was their home. They felt like they deserved it. They couldn't understand how Abby was being so heartless. And I don't understand how they could think such a thing. The police dug into the family and they found something very, very suspicious. Records showed that the Kwong family rented a home in the suburbs, like outside of Hong Kong, two weeks before Abby disappeared. So like early February of this year. They just randomly rented a random house in the suburbs. That's premeditated then, right? Yeah, and like I know some people would be like, oh, well, maybe they're like prepping for the sale and this is what they're not moving in. They're not moving in. Like there's not a single piece of furniture in that place. This was the initial breakthrough and the case really starts amping up at this point. So February 21st of this year, she goes missing. February 22nd, the next day, police put out a report for her disappearance. February 23rd, the Kowloon Police Department take the lead on the case. February 24th, just three days after Abby goes missing, Abby was found murdered in the Kwong family's rented house. 
This is the beginning of the story that you were talking about, right? Yeah. The apartment that they rented. Yeah, the, with the black cloths. The yeah. Wow. So what happened? Here's what we know so far, and it's not really enough to give you the full picture. I'm sure we'll get more additional details as things progress. But the police held a press conference to announce everything that they had so far. They released that Abby and the Kwong family were having massive disputes, like I said, about the $10 million residence. Abby wanted to put it out for sale. They didn't. Now, to further complicate things, the house was bought under Cal Kwong, the ex-father-in-law's name. The speculation for this was that in Hong Kong, they have these special property laws where the first house you purchase, you get a massive tax break. But the more mm. property you buy, your second property, your third property, mm. the tax yeah. breaks no longer there. Primary resident versus investment yeah. residence. Yeah. So you end up paying a lot more in taxes. The difference in, um, it was massive. This was not Abby's first property. If she had purchased it under her name on this $10.1 million property, she would have to pay $1.39 million in property taxes. But if she purchased it under somebody else's name as their first property, it's $400,000 in property taxes. Mm. that's she saved a million dollar a million dollars yeah to me that's also just immense amount of trust yeah yeah sure saving a million is good for her but she must trusted him a lot to do that which makes this case more heartbreaking again we don't know if this is why but it, it's common amongst wealthier families to do something like this with close family members right to buy the houses under their names but that doesn't mean that the kuang family owned the house this is where it gets really technical and tricky it's kind of a gray area where technically they could argue she gifted us this house. She said, here's a present. Mm. But the law also states if Abby can prove that the finances for the house, all the mortgage payments, the money for the house came from only her account and not the Kwong family's account, she could prove that it's her property. So it's very just a lot of... A lot of legal talk. Mm -hmm. And I, I do feel like proving that would be relatively easy. Otherwise, I don't think that she would have had realtors come in and even said that she was going to put it up for sale. I'm not sure if mm -hmm. she had to pay some sort of back taxes or if she was going to get fined. But it seemed like she would probably be able to prove that it was her property. So that was the first thing that the police released, the motive. And then they always said that Alex was just such a leech. The police were talking about how um, just he, the guy spent so much money like he had hundreds of thousands of dollars in watches yeah i mean his brother anthony was similar too like he would constantly post on social media platforms just rows of alcoholic bottles like uh, tequila bottles i don't even know what kind of alcohol they are maybe wine bottles but the internet found out that each bottle is like 500 dollars, and he's got them all lined up like they're water bottles so the question was, you know, did they kill Abby to keep the condo? But th that doesn't make sense because would they get additional money? It's not like Abby's estate was required to give them monthly payments. There was no alimony contracts. That doesn't seem well thought out. In the Kwong family, they don't seem like the type that's going to sell the property, live below their means, and try to use that cash to live off of. The theory. The speculation. Remember how I said it was pertinent that Abby didn't remarry Chris, her new husband? Uh-huh. The theory and speculation is that because she did not legally marry him, if she died, she would die a single woman with four children. Her estate, her net worth would be split amongst her four kids, two of whom she shared with Alex. 
Mm. And since they're minors, they're like 10 years old, the oldest is 10, they would be under the control of Alex and the Kwong family. Mm. He would be able to control their finances and essentially he would inherit half of Abby's wealth. That to them was enough to kill her. When the police first walked into the home that was rented in the, the suburbs, I imagine they were unsettled. I mean, even from the outside, I think that they had a gut feeling. I think when you're an officer and you probably see a lot of these cases, just the blacked out windows, I think that they knew if they were going to find Abby, she most likely wouldn't have been alive. They walk in through the front door. The black cloth was hanging there and it was just no furnishings, nothing in the house. It felt like the house was rented for the sole purpose of killing someone. It, it was like a kill house. Inside, the police found two different types of meat grinders, an electric saw, a hammer, face shields, black raincoats, a purple Hermes handbag that belonged to Abby that she was carrying the day that she went missing. Inside were her credit cards and her ID. So they found all, I mean, just think about it, an empty house, no piece of furniture, and these are the things that you have, meat grinders, aprons, like raincoats. So in the kitchen, the police find two stainless steel pots. It's believed that instantly they knew that these were, they had to be sent to the medical examiner. They, it said that they could see human tissue. It looked like human flesh had been grinded up. There was a bunch of suspicious meat in there. And to make it even more unsettling was that the human tissue and flesh was mixed with carrots and radishes and peppers, like seasonings. So these two stainless steel pots, they're sent to the medical examiner's office. They would later be tested and they found Abby's head inside one of the soups. They're, they're calling it like a broth. The soup had been cooked, so she had been badly decomposed. The only way to confirm that it was Abby Choi was through dental records. They did find evidence of a massive blow to her skull. It was presumed to have been fatal, but it's unclear if this is what caused her to die or if this is after she was dead, they attempted to smash her skull. I don't know. I think that the killers adding carrots and radishes and these seasonings to the soups, it's beyond me. I mean, we don't know. We don't know if they were trying to dispose of her body inconspicuously by disguising it as soup or if they were planning on consuming the soup we we have no idea what their plan was as of right now so that's one pot the other pot contained pieces of her ribs collarbones pieces of flesh and other ingredients when the police searched the freezer and the fridge they found abby's feet in the freezer and also in the house they found her lower torso and her legs it said that there was um the flesh looked like it had been attempted to be cut out of her thighs so you could see her thigh bones through her remains her upper body was nowhere to be found in the house so the police stated that at this point they hadn't checked the head inside the pot so they were still looking for her head arms and the rest of her body right i mean just by how the house was set up like the covering of the windows the supplies that they had i mean this house is a kill house the kwang family had planned the murder and dismemberment of abby Choi for at least two weeks at least probably more though so the neighbor that everyone saw was the father yeah just outside smoking prepping things he seems to be kind of the mastermind of it all some sources said that the neighbors heard a lot of screaming the night that abby disappeared and they thought somebody was watching tv then i saw other sources say that the neighbors said no no, no like we didn't hear anything 
we did not hear any screaming. Like we are the type of people that we would have called the cops. So it's kind of up in the air. The police believe that the murder plot was in the works for at least a month. There is a video of the police pushing the refrigerator out of the house to bring it in as evidence. So what did the police believe happened? They believe that the day of February 21st, Abby was on the way to pick up her daughter. Anthony, her ex-brother-in-law, was driving her in this Toyota van. And on the way to pick up her daughter, he stops the car near a tunnel. Abby was most likely confused about what was going on. Suddenly, the back door would swing open and Alex would jump in the car. Now, there's kind of two speculations of how it went, and we still don't know which one is valid. The first belief is that maybe the two get in some sort of argument. So Alex and Abby are in the back. They're arguing about this property, about the sale of the property, about the money and all of these things. Some people believe there was no argument. Alex jumped in the back and ambushed her. Either way, it's believed that Abby was beaten harshly in the back of her car. And all the while, her ex-brother-in-law is driving the car. I mean, he knew this was going to happen. This is someone that she trusted to employ. And her ex-husband, the one she financed for essentially most of his life, the one she showed enough like respect and grace to support his entire family, he was attacking her in the back of the car. That's freaking insane. That's like when the whole freaking family yes. planned this all together. Or I was thinking it's like someone like Abby, right? Most likely for them, like a lot of time they have bodyguards or securities. And I imagine she probably saw Anthony yeah, as that as her bodyguard as the safest one to be exactly with. like you hire someone to drive you around she hired him because he is family trust him yes and she was paying him way more than a driver's salary too like yeah, it yeah, was yeah. she really trusted him wanted to help him it's not like she was begging him to be her driver in fact alex was the one that suggested anthony become abby's driver so it's believed that abby was left unconscious in the back of the car and the brothers drove to the rented house. It's unclear if she was dead at this point or if she was just unconscious. CCTV at the entrance of the rented house catch them coming into the neighborhood at around 3.12 p.m. And then another car enters around the same time. This is suspected to be the ex-father-in-law, Cal Kwong, the mastermind. And everyone works on the killing and dismemberment of Abby Choi inside this kill house. At one point, the ex-father-in-law, the car drives to a local cemetery, and it was initially believed that some of her body parts were going to be disposed of there, but police have not found anything there. Then the police started a search in the Takuling landfill. Huge landfill. I mean, this was going to be no easy feat. There's videos of them starting the search. It looks daunting. It is one of the largest landfills in Hong Kong. Every single day, they get nearly 7,000 tons of new trash. To give you perspective, about half of Hong Kong's garbage gets disposed in that landfill on a daily basis. What? Yeah. How is that possible to find anything? Yeah. So they're looking, you know, they found the head later. They're looking for her upper torso and her upper limbs. It's going to be a huge task. And her hands are also missing, but um, they're trying. And the family won't tell them? No. They are arrested, but they won't cooperate. So three arrests were initially what? made. There was, um, there's multiple rounds of arrests that we're going to get into. The first round, three people are arrested. Anthony Kwong, the ex-brother-in-law, the driver for Abby. The two Kwong parents, the 
cop dad and the mother. Now, these are the ex-in-laws for Abby Choi. So all of them get arrested. But the mother is arrested too. It's interesting because the mother was not charged for murder. She was charged for helping Alex escape because Alex is nowhere to be found right now. That's why only three of them were arrested. So Alex is on the run. They can't arrest him yet. And it seems like the whole world is looking for this guy. Abby's close friend um, took to social media in a desperate attempt to find answers. She offered up a million Hong Kong dollars for anyone who would have any information leading to Alex's arrest. And she stated that she wanted him found alive. Police revealed that the guy had a shady criminal past. Alex, Abby had no idea that her ex-husband was a criminal. He had a penchant for fraud. He would trick people, sleep with them, and steal from them and then rinse and repeat. His usual method was, he would meet these people online, and it didn't matter if they were women or men, he would meet with them on dating websites, he would tell them that he was a gold dealer, and that he made so much money off of his investments in gold. Now, if they look at his social media page, it's filled with penthouses, presidential suites and hotels, $100,000 watches, supercars. I mean, the guy is clearly living it up. He would tell them that he turned gold investments into into gold like you could make a ton of money from it so he would take these people to these random small gold shops like in the middle of the street talk them into buying large amounts of gold like thousands of dollars of gold sometimes even tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars and he'd sit there and he'd be like the gold market is down right now in a few months it's gonna explode i'm telling you i know the market this is gonna double triple in like two months you're gonna profit like crazy like there's never been an opportunity like this they would go home with their pockets full of gold. They would have like a skip in their step. They're so excited, you know? They think that they're going to be rich. Alex would later seduce them in their house, sleep with them, and when their guard was down, it's alleged that he would run off with all the gold that they just bought. Wow. Yeah. But he I guess that's kind of smart because that you can't track gold. Yeah. There's mm. no records. You can just sell the gold somewhere and cash the money. And he, he did well. He made, allegedly, about $800,000 USD from that. But Alex was not the only one keeping secrets. The father, Cao Kuang, um, this is when the reports of him being allegedly a rapist and the police force came out. But other than that, the 65-year-old guy was in massive amounts of debt. It's believed that he was the one that was very greedy, like the leader of the family. Yeah, the mastermind. And Alex's brother, Anthony, he also had a ton of debt, like to the tune of $300,000. Everything he touched seemed to turn into debt. Before he was employed as Abby's driver, he wanted to open up a restaurant. So he asks Chris and Abby to lend him a ton of money to open up this restaurant, which they did. The restaurant failed and Anthony ends up in even more debt. Wow, I just cannot even like... Imagine. They met the kindest person you can imagine and that's this is their payback yeah and the saddest part was even after all of this abby offered him a highly paid over industry pay position as her driver and just a few days before the murder he posted pictures with abby captioned brother sister love at this point Anthony would have already known about the plot to kill and dismember Abby Choi. He would have known about the rented house. He would have been part of the planning. He would have known where to stop so that his brother Alex could get in the car. He would have thought in depth about how they were going to kill her and cook her in soup. And yet, I don't know, like, this isn't even part of an alibi. I don't even know why he took these pictures and posted them. So the father, Cal Kwong, 
the brother Anthony and the mother of the Kwong family was arrested. Police did not press murder charges for her, like I said, but um, those are arrested. Then the police finally locate Alex. And this guy... Okay, this is where they find him. He planned to flee Hong Kong on a speedboat off the pier. He was ambushed before he left. They found him with $65,000 in cash and nearly half a million dollars of luxury watches. Look, I don't know. I originally thought like this guy is bringing these watches so that he can sell them for money later, right? Mm -hmm. But I also like just what I've researched about this guy so far. I don't know. I also kind of feel like this was his priority in life. Mm. I can imagine him being like my precious watches. He gets arrested and he had the audacity to tell the police he's not feeling well. So they rush him to the hospital. I'm always amazed that a lot of killers just get better medical treatment than regular civilians that are suffering from autoimmune diseases, chronic illnesses. I mean, it just boggles my mind, like every single time. Obviously, we don't want them to die because we want them to suffer in prison for the rest of their lives. But like, the guy was clearly fine. The whole family is arrested. And it said that the father, he was in court looking around as the judge was talking to him before the pretrial hearings. Like, like he's, none of this has anything to do with him. It's almost like he's looking around to be like, who are these people talking about? The rest of the family, they held their heads down the entire time. And it said that all of them refused to help locate the rest of Abby's body. Even to the very end, it seems like they're going to be vultures. Now, the case for them is going to court May 8th, I believe. At least that's the date as of right now. So in a few days. The fact that the family even tried to ask for bail pissed off a lot of netizens. People online speculated the family of demons, like it's not even a pity if they drop dead at once the fact that they want bail the one thing that seems to be in the works for the defendants is the killers are going to try and argue it's speculated that they're going to try and argue that the house was a gift from abby Choi. if the judge agrees with this they essentially have 10 million dollars that they could leverage in their defense oh my gosh which i don't know how it works in hong kong but i know in the u.s money does buy a lot of power in the courts I don't know what's going to happen. So soon after the whole family gets arrested, so mom, dad, Alex, and the brother, two more people get arrested. And these kind of felt random. So a 47-year-old woman was arrested. She was said to be the mistress of the 65-year-old Cal Kwong, the dad. The dude has a mistress? Yeah. It's alleged that he had bought, like rented an apartment with the mistress so that he could meet her there. The speculation is that this woman worked at an escorting business. The two met. Now they're dating. Allegedly even rented a house, probably using Abby's money for them to rendezvous. So that's great. Great person overall. Um, Why is she arrested? Yeah, so she wasn't arrested for the murder, but it's said that she helped try to hide Alex when he was on the run. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's going to turn into murder charges. Maybe she knew about the murder. Maybe she did help. But as of right now, that's what she was arrested for. And then just a few days ago, from the day that you're probably watching this, March 2nd, another arrest was made. A man who had been identified to be 41 years old and his name is, he's just going by limb in the press reports. He was the one that tried to orchestrate Alex's escape plan. He had taken a payment of 40,000 US dollars to secure a speedboat for Alex to let him escape Hong Kong. Netizens were able to find him online, and this is completely unrelated to the case, but I just thought it was interesting to note. This guy, Lim, used to work for a big record label, like a, as a marketing manager. He rubbed shoulders with some of the biggest names in the industry. Jay Chow, hmm. 
No way. There's pictures of him with Jay Chow. Eason Chen. Eason Chen, yeah. a legend. He hadn't been in the entertainment industry for at least eight years since the murder took place, but I guess it was just a bizarre connection that netizens were able to dig up. These celebrities have nothing to do with the murder. So as of right now, there were six total arrests made. The father of the Kwong family, the mother, Anthony, the ex-brother-in-law, personal driver, Alex, the ex-husband, the mistress to the Kwong family father, the speedboat escape guy. So what now? The whole world seemed to immediately be grieving for Abby Choi. And her best friend, Mocha, posted, My heart hurts so badly, I still can't accept that this is truth. I don't even know how to describe how I feel right now. I just have a thousand questions. And to this day, I feel like I can't calm down the pain that I feel. My deepest condolences to Abby's family. Chris, Abby's husband, spoke out to say, I'm very happy and thankful that Abby came into my life. She gave me these two wonderful children. She was always supporting me and loving me. Abby was a very kind person. She just wanted to help others. Those who had the chance to be in her life, we're all very lucky. And with that, Chris and Abby's family all arrived to the murder house. They came to the kill house. They held this massive ceremony for her, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that this is kind of common when your loved one dies in a separate city. And if they're dismembered, there's processes that you have to take to bring, connect their spirit again, mm-hmm. to make them bring home. Bring them home, yeah, or, or just call them back. Yeah, call them back home, because it's said that if these um, spirits get lost, they can't find their way home mm. and it's this horrible fate in the afterlife to just wander around searching yeah. for your family usually it's tochi like the, f- the seventh day usually the spirit will come home to visit your home for the last time they just want to make sure that she can rest at home um abby's mom was really heartbroken there's videos she's just crying through the entire ceremony she's literally can't even stand up by herself she's leaning on abby's husband like it feels like my heart aches for this woman i feel like she's gonna break down at any moment like and she just kept saying my precious daughter i'll never be able to see you again and she would say that her death was so unfair and she said stupid stupid girl you used all your kindness on the wrong person your kindness was gobbled up by these undeserving people and she said these people ate my daughter's heart up. A lot of people commented like, what will her children be told when they grow up and ask what happened to their mother? There's just a lot of anger and outrage, and that's that's where the case is right now with the family grieving. And speaking of the family grieving, I think that there were a lot of appropriate responses to this case, in my opinion. You know, this ceremony, though, it brought up a lot of conspiracy theories that I don't even understand. Like, people were judging certain family members of Abby's for wearing certain things, and I saw the videos, I saw what they were wearing. I didn't I don't even know what they're talking about. Like someone was wearing black tights and they were like, this is crazy attire. Some of the allegations and conspiracies that are coming out of this case, it's 
insane. Um, I understand the anger that people feel, like the pain, the confusion that people feel about this case. I get it. But there were some strange conversations that were started online because of this case. The first being that a lot of these like online discourse forums, they started talking about men and they started bringing up the conversation of Shaja. That became a huge topic of conversation mm. online. And it just seemed like people were almost leaning towards that as like proof. Mm, yeah, see, it see. got very weird. Um, people, it feels very taboo in the US to read it, but people were saying like the result of marrying beneath you is that you lose yourself and your wealth. Some people mm. were saying things that were wilder. They were like, love yourself and stay away from poor men. Look, I get the anger, but I would just say this is a bit of a strange response. Some speculated that she supported this evil family financially, and it's speculated that as she got more successful, when she married Chris, the family got jealous. Like, they could not bear to see her live a good life. People speculated that the Kwong family, I mean, they sound egotistical, don't they? They sound evil. They speculated that these types of personalities would harbor deep hatred for even the hand that feeds them. They were probably so upset and resented Abby for the fact that their entire lives relied on Abby. Now, another commenter wrote, um, love is between two people, but marriage is between two families. It's best to look into your in-laws. So a lot of people kind of took this case as a way of sharing these marriage sentiments, which I thought was, I don't know, like, I guess, is that how people are coping with this? I don't know. It's just, it's weird. And then there are seedier parts, which I'm sure if you guys have been following this case, I'm not even going to mention, but they were alleging that family members of Abby's were sleeping with family members of the Kwong family, like just, I don't even know what to say. Just play stop. So after the arrest, Abby and Alex's two kids were sent to live with Chris's mother, so their step-grandma, and she's taking care of all four kids while the investigation continues so that Chris can grieve and cooperate with the police. It seems like the children are very safe with her. They're in good hands. Which, side note, she has spoken up about the situation. Chris's mom, so her current mother-in-law. Oh, okay. Her ex-mother-in-law is in jail, and her current mother-in-law... She spoke up and Chris's mom said, after Abby's marriage to my son, Chris, she was an amazing wife, a great daughter-in-law. She really respected us as in-laws. Every Mother's Day, every birthday, she would come eat with me. She would get me gifts. She treated all her employees, like her drivers, her workers, her assistants. She just treated them so well. Chris's dad, so her current father-in-law, also spoke out to say, she was so kind. We would all travel together and everyone that knew her, they loved her. Even her employees, they respected how good of a mother she was. And even though Abby and I are not blood related, she will always be our precious daughter. And so that's all we have right now on the ongoing current case of Abby Choi. Again, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how this unfolds. I just hope that the Kwong family is very scared because when you bite the hand that feeds you, you're ultimately going to be the one that starves to death. And Abby Choi, it doesn't seem like she will ever be forgotten, but they will be. So that's it for today's mini-sode. What are your thoughts? And please stay safe. And I'll see you guys on Wednesday for the main episode. Bye.